If you're innovating, creating, or making a difference, this show is for you. Welcome to Over Coffee. I'm Dot Cannon. Here on Over Coffee, we talk with artists and innovators about the process of changing the world in terms of what they do. When he was five, he told me, Dad, you're a robotics engineer. Why don't you make a robot for me? My level in robotics were not high enough to handle the question as obviously walking is truly one of the holy grail of robotics. And Wondercraft is moving closer to their goal of taking people from wheelchairs to walking through robotics. This Paris-based medical device company has designed the world's first self-balancing exoskeleton. Unlike other robotic exoskeletons, this one, which they've named Atalante, allows its wearer to walk without having to rely on crutches or canes to balance. In other words, the wearers are walking hands-free. And Atalante has been in clinical trials in France with a goal of starting them soon in the United States. Jean-Louis Constanza is the co-founder and CEO of Wondercraft. As you heard, he's also a dad. The video of his now teenage son Oscar walking in the EXO, which his dad looked into designing for him, has now gone viral. Jean-Louis says there's still much to be done before he and Wondercraft can come close to achieving their ultimate dream. And that is enough to give you chills. They're looking at creating a world where wheelchairs are a thing of the past. The following podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended as medical advice. Please contact a healthcare professional with any questions. Jean-Louis, before we get to talking about Wondercraft and your exciting goal, that someday anyone in a wheelchair is going to be walking with robotics, I'd like to know how you discovered your passion for robotics first. Oh, yeah, that was my training at, at school. I went through an engineer school in France. That is, you know, the top aerospace school. And I chose uh, command and robotics as a major. Why? I would say Isaac Asimov, like most of us. Isaac Asimov. You know, a lot of roboticists have read extensively Asimov's books because they seem very simple, but a lot of us find them very visionary. Speaking of seem very simple, when I look at the Atalante, you're making it look very simple. It cannot possibly have been as easy as you're making it look. Would you tell me the story of Wondercraft and creating your exoskeleton? Yeah, the story of Wondercraft is very personal at the beginning. I was looking for a solution for my son who is in a wheelchair. And the story is true. When he, when he was five, he told me, Dad, you're a robotics engineer. Why don't you make a robot for me? Then I went around the world, met the first generation makers of exoskeletons which are great companies, visionaries, yet the solutions they had deployed wouldn't ensure that Oscar and all his friends would go to the university walking like ordinary people. My level in robotics were not high enough to handle the question as obviously walking is truly one of the holy grail of robotics. The other one being, of course, intelligence. Walking is is not complicated, but it doesn't look complicated, but it's very complex. A human walk is a miracle. It has defined humans as we are. And rediscovering 
biped walk in a robot is really complex. You have the beautiful examples shown by Boston Dynamics, which pretty much show what is the state of the art in walking. Yet the challenge we had with Wondercraft was a little different because we put someone in the robot or we wrap the robot around someone. That makes a different robot every time you make it, you put a different person in it. And that's very difficult. And also you have a product, a commercial product, and not a prototype that you can, you know, fiddle around with. So this was quite challenging. And I met, at the same time, I met those two geniuses from another engineer school in France. And they had the project to make a biped robot that was viable for humans. Just because one of them has all his family with the same pathology as my son, Oscar. So we founded the company. They are the makers of the product, actually. And I'm the guy who helps because I've, you know, participated in founding companies in the past. And I had some, you know, more experience. They were just fresh from school. So we founded Wondercraft and then we raised money and we raised money and we hired the team and we had the first prototype and then we had the prototype with a patient in it. And now we're selling the version you have seen on the video to hospitals to help them relearn how to walk to people. So it's not a personal device. It's still a big machine, as you have seen. I've seen the video, especially of Caltech, where you have it out here in Pasadena and you yeah, have patients well. walking in it. But what about Oscar? When did he first get to try that out? And what did he say? Oh, he tried it uh, a couple of months ago when I issued the first video that was then, you know, put on, on the internet. And he didn't, my son didn't try it before because he was too small and we don't make kids' sizes at the moment. So he had to wait to be tall enough to fit in the robot. It's still a little big for him, obviously. My son, Oscar, is a very pragmatic and solid-minded person. So he wouldn't freak out walking, plus the fact that we're talking about it every night at home. We take great care at Warcraft not to talk too much about our product until today, because people in wheelchair, they have a project in life, which is to be happy in a wheelchair. So if you go around and say, yes, we're going to make a robot to let you walk, but we don't know when, we don't know at what price, etc., you can hurt people. Now we're getting closer to the goal. So it's time to talk a little, a little more. Which is exciting because until looking at your video, I didn't realize, yeah, our world is not made for wheels. Our world is made for if you can walk up the stairs, if you can walk in the front door, things of that nature, stuff you and I would take for granted. Yes, there are three things, actually. Our world is made for bipeds. As you say, a lot of things are inaccessible or take a long time or a lot of energy. And that's why people in wheelchair have the same mind as the others, but they, they are three times more unemployed. They have three times less access to higher education, etc. Then the deepest thing that you don't, that most people don't know is that when you're in a wheelchair, 100% of the time, you are subject to associated pathologies, which are very severe, meaning that you can die from them. Cardiovascular digestion pathologies, but also skin lesions, all sorts of issues linked to the fact that you're being sitting all time and you're not made for that. You're made to walk at least somehow in the day. And depression as well, psychological illnesses. So we expect and we started to try, we hope that walking in the robot a lot of your time during the day or doing things more than walking will help you 
address these pathologies. And of course, our, the medical teams with whom we are working are working a lot of the subject, but there is an abundant literature on that already in the medical domain. And the third thing is a little more profound. It's just that, as we say, humans have been defined by standing up and walking. So a lot of people whom I know have a great life in a wheelchair. There is no question about that. They can be champions in the Olympics. They can have a great life. But still, most of them have a hope in their heart somewhere that they would, you know, stand up, walk and do stuff. And that's as important. So for these three reasons, we expect that someone will make it. And we hope being the first on the industry, we hope that it will be Wondercraft, obviously. With your clinical trials, when you mentioned some of the health challenges that come with someone having to sit all the time in a wheelchair, what did you see? Did you see some positive effects on the patients who were using the exoskeleton? You know, you're talking about clinical trials. That's medical science. So you can see things, but you have to demonstrate them. To claim something, it has to be shown by on a scientific manner. For the moment, what we have shown is safety in hospitals, performance, the fact that we can walk much longer than any other method, which is directly linked to the efficacy of the rehabilitation care, and things like that. The trials have not been long enough to be able to ensure effects on health. We have hints. Doctors suspect things, obviously, but I want to be very accurate in what I say. We need more trials to demonstrate them on a scientific manner. I mean, the period this last year has shown that you can't mess up with science in the medical area. And of course, it would be responsible of me to say that our conversation is for informational purposes only. We are not doctors here. Anybody with any medical questions, please check your healthcare professional. This is not medical advice. Absolutely. I'm curious how this works. I'm looking at the video. I was looking at the video before with your son using the exoskeleton. It looks like he's operating it from a remote control in his hand. How's that working? Yeah, we have several methods. The remote control that you have is the one that has been market approved by healthcare authorities. So it's very solid. It's not very sexy. And we find better ways to operate the robot. But the, the key way to interact with the EXO is not the remote. It's simply leaning forward or turning your shoulders to stand up, walk, and turn, which is extremely intuitive. So we have, there is a sort of T-shirt or jacket, and there is an inertial device behind your back and it, with an artificial intelligence that is able to detect your intent via the motion of your shoulders. And if you can't move your shoulders because you have a lesion or an illness that prevents you from doing that, you can put the unit in a cap, for instance. So that's the principal way to interact with the EXO. And it's, it's very cool because patients find it so intuitive that they, it's like if you walk, you would lean forward. So the same with Rama. Then the remote serves you to change mode. So like, I want to stand up or I want to walk. But now we... On the video, you have seen that Oscar, my son, is controlling the robot via voice, which is now a quite mature technology. So we have integrated another AI to interpret words on a wide sense. So you can say many things to let the robot walk or sit or turn, etc. Voice is good because it's intuitive. And we have an array of remote controls that we are going to choose from for the next personal 
version of the product because it has not only to be functional and to let you walk, get in and out of a car, use the bathroom, things like that. But it also has to be extremely sleek and pleasant and beautiful to use if we want it to be successful and to bring a great experience to our users. I think you hit on it a few minutes ago when you said the hand control was not sexy. People look Mm. for, we're not talking about sexy, sexy, but we're talking about something sleek, nice looking. People go, whoa, that's cool technology. Where are you headed right now with the work for the next personal robot? Well, it's, it's far from being just another electronic toy, of course. It's a very serious device because you're going to live with it. On the other hand, it has to be beautiful. No one accepts anything that is so engaging, even if we have, you know, complete reimbursement in some countries. It's not a question of the price, but it's changing your life. So it has to send the message that you're the same person with a beautiful thing that helps you doing stuff. That's what we're trying to do. So the next version of the EXO is much slimmer. It sits in a typical train seat or in a car seat lighter obviously and much more agile so it has to walk at a reasonable pace in the city it has to let you do most of the stuff you want to do during the day because you're not going to drag your wheelchair along with you and it has to be affordable we believe and we have analyzed that if it is as functional as we want it will be affordable because we can produce it in mass series it has to be affordable even if it's reimbursed because the insurances that are going to pay for the device don't have infinite pockets. So we can't sell it the price we sell our current units, which are made more or less, you know, 10 by 10 and not 1,000 by 1,000. So we're working on that. We're never giving dates. Again, because we don't want to raise too early expectations with people. But I have good faith in the fact that the clinical trials should start in a reasonable amount of months, possibly one year and a half both in France and probably in the U.S. because we have great U.S. partnerships now. And obviously, the U.S. market is the most interesting and the biggest in the world. That's exciting. I'll be good and not ask anything more about dates because, of course, that would be the first thing I believe anyone would want to know is, when can I see this? But what have been some of your best experiences so far with the folks who are using the exoskeleton, the Atalanti? Every single person that walks in the exo is the best experience We had 400 persons in the EXO right now, approximately. Some of them in clinical trials, but most of them in routine care in hospitals. And the first time she would or he would stand up is a great time for us and for them, obviously, because that's something they haven't experienced for years or never. And then they're walking, which is another thing. And after some sessions of walk, they would say, okay, it's all about walking and you have to do other stuff. You have to turn around and you have to do parkour and you have to make exercises, boxing, playing tennis, playing ping pong. And physiotherapists and ourselves are inventing things that you do with the exo, which are preparing for the next phase, basically. We hope that you can do pretty much, not everything, but a lot. It will take time before you go skiing with the exo, obviously. But an average daily life in the city, in your community and at home is something that we're aiming for. And that's going to be another experience, of course. That's exciting. I don't feel so ridiculous now. I was thinking, well, might sometime in the future, someone wearing this be able to dance, for example? It sounds like that might be very possible. Ah, This is a good one. Because obviously, if you ask anyone between, you know, 
15 years old and 30 years old, what he or she is missing the most. You know, dancing with friends at a party probably may not be an answer, but is probably the truth. There are functionalities that you have to develop and that we're thinking of. Like, well, it's not going to be like Saturday Night Fever, at least in the next years, but definitely it's a device in which you want to dance. This would be emblematic, really showing what we're trying to do with that device. How can people best support you? What do you need right now to go forward? We need hospitals to let us make demos. It's a great rehab tool. In this phase, the exo you have seen on the video is clearly a tool to help physiotherapists and doctors to relearn how to walk to people who have had a stroke or a spinal cord injury or who have a neurodegenerative disease. And we need that experience with medical teams because they are teaching us a lot of things and they're bringing us to a lot of patients. So that's very important to us. And we're trying to demo it. We have issued the product early 2020. Of course, pandemic slowed our commercial you know, pathway, but now it's selling very well in Europe and we will start to distribute it in the US. We have started to distribute it for clinical research and we will start to distribute it in the US when we have received the FDA approval, which we hope to get sometime next year. So that's our first step, being listened to by doctors and physiotherapists and make demos in their sites. This is the key thing. And now, of course, we want people to start get interest in what we do. We have built a user group based on all the research we make with future users. Some of them are in Europe. Some of them are in the US. We're very happy to have in the group people who are reluctant to the idea for many reasons, because they teach us more about how to make the best device possible. The video, as it went throughout the world, brought us a lot of these people. So we're quite happy with that. That's it. And we raise money, obviously, but that's another issue. We have investors. We will probably have a US investor soon, maybe from Asia as well. It's not only a great market, but a lot of investors are attracted by the fact that it's so much changing the life of so many people that it is an interest per se. When you say changing the life of so many people, I loved your post about the pilot. And I'm curious about her. And I'm also curious about day-to-day life now for your son. Does he get to use the exoskeleton on a regular basis? No, he walked a second time. And of course, he's willing to walk. But as I said, Oscar is a very robust, pragmatic and smart person. So he will not, you know, go berserk before we have a final beautiful product to offer him to go to the university. It should be on time, more or less, maybe not for the first year of his higher studies. Until then, he's doing a lot of music and he's having a lot of friends. He's a great guy and he doesn't, you know, dream of it every time. And I hope it's the same for other users. It's not about dreaming. It's about, you know, bringing something that is working, that is safe and that can help people do an ordinary life. And I'm happy that Oscar has a solid mind. I've been curious about the weight of this. When it's hands-free, it would have to be pretty well-weighted so people can't tip over. What's it weigh currently? And then what will you be doing with weight and size considerations to make it more of a personal exoskeleton? Well, actually, I don't want to get you bored by technologies, but we're using a new class of robotics, which is called dynamic robotics. And 
it's not like old style robots where you would put all the weight so that it's you know self balanced like a sort of Egyptian pyramid. It's the contrary. You want no weight in the feet. Like if you were wearing ski boots and I push you, you wouldn't keep your balance. You don't need weight at the feet. You need weight around your center of gravity, which is around your belt somewhere. So we are making the feet and the legs as light as possible so that the robot can move very fast and help you recover balance if someone pushes you, which is not possible with the current version because it's very heavy. The weight is more than 70 kilos. The next version is going to be much lighter, particularly in the lower part. And it is capable. We're not showing any prototype, but it is capable of moving very fast and helping you recovering balance if you're losing balance. So it's the same principle that humans use to walk. That's dynamic and not static. So the weight is an enemy. But the weight is not a big issue either because you never carry the robot. It carries you and it can walk by itself. So no one carries that robot. Maybe if you put it in a case to go somewhere in a plane, but we haven't addressed that issue yet. John Louise says, though, that in the future... The company will be reviewing the possibility of making the EXO adaptable to air travel as well. You mentioned on your website that, in effect, you're building a horse. You're building something that people can pretty much use as a vehicle and move around. Yeah, it has to be a companion. So the artificial intelligence part is not super smart, but it has to be very rapid. So we're often saying we're building a horse. It's probably as smart as a horse, maybe a little less because horses I know are smart, but it should be as agile and practical and useful, and if possible, as lovable as a horse. I'm sure a lot of people will love it when it gets to where they can actually walk and do things they'd always dreamed of. You mentioned that user group. Are you currently looking for more people to sign up? And if so, where can they find it? Oh, well, we have run a complete, we're not showing the results yet because we're still analyzing the results, but we have run a French US quantitative analysis who have asked hundreds of people what they needed, basically, and how we could touch them as well, what were their dreams, etc. And we will redo that more and more. But of course, they can find us on the website, which is wondercraft.eu, because we're Europeans, or on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, like any other company. And we're trying to respond. It's been a bit tricky these days because the video has been truly around the world. So we have a huge demand in, from India or Malawi or Bangladesh or China or Latin America and not only the US and Europe, which is good. But you can still find us. We're not a startup any longer, but we're not a huge company. But Wondercraft's reach is growing. They're currently working with US partners, including Caltech in Pasadena. We love to work with Caltech and the University of Michigan, who are our scientific partners in the US. But now we have medical partners who are great with a veteran slash Mount Sinai slash New Jersey Institute of Technology team. But we're talking with a lot of doctors in the US and I would like to say thank you to, uh, they will recognize themselves at most rehab, TIRR and hospitals in which we hope to make demos soon. I love that question. What are their dreams? I'm going to ask you that question. What are your dreams as relate to Wondercraft 10 years from now? What do you want to have accomplished? Oh, besides having my son walking to university, we very simply dream of having our exo around the 30 million people in the world who are in a wheelchair today, or even the 75 who can't walk. Some of them can't even afford a wheelchair. So we will cut the cost as much as we can. 
We are working with healthcare authorities and reimbursement insurers, private or public, in a lot of countries. But then the challenge is not going to sell it or have it reimbursed in France, Germany, the US or Japan. It's going to have it in countries where people can't afford a wheelchair. And that's, of course, a dream. We will do everything we can to make it a reality. I hope to see you reach that dream. How exciting is that? Finally, Jean-Louis, if people could only get one thing from you about innovation, creativity, and making a difference, what would you really like them to take away from your work with Wondercraft? You'd rather ask that question to the team because they are so much more competent than me. One thing that you can get from our experience is when even the strongest experts in the world tell you it's not possible, don't quit. Jean-Louis, thank you for your time today. Thank you. Thank you very much. You and I have been listening to Jean-Louis Constanza, co-founder and CEO of Paris-based medical device company Wondercraft. Find out more about Wondercraft's current work with the world's first self-balancing exoskeleton at wondercraft.eu. They spell their name W-A-N-D-E-R-C-R-A-F-T. Wondercraft.eu. You can also follow them on their social media, Facebook, Twitter, and of course, LinkedIn. Once again, that's wondercraft.eu. The preceding podcast was for informational purposes only and was not intended as medical advice. Please contact a healthcare professional with any questions. And that concludes this edition of Over Coffee. Thank you for listening. Listen to more Over Coffee podcasts at twomavericks.com. That's two, T-W-O, Mavericks, M-A-V-E-R-I-X. And you can contact us at twomavericks at gmail.com. The music you're hearing is royalty-free production music provided by Pond5 at pond5.com. I'm Dot Cannon. Here's wishing you a cappuccino day.